Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Jay. Hi, Marie. And hi, listeners. Welcome to Dispatches from the Kardashian Simulacrum where we process our media theory takeaways and other hot takes from last night's episode of The Kardashians. (laughs) Yes, and we just watched episode eight, was it? You know something I really like regret about our introduction is like not establishing who we are (laughs) or why we, like why, who, why... So sorry that you guys just have had no context about that. But like, I guess the eighth episode is better than nothing. Um, MJ is the author of the account Kardashian Colloquium on Instagram and TikTok. And I'm her sister and collaborator. And that's <laughs> that's why we're here. We're sisters talking about sisters. Or yeah. more accurately to how we perceive all of this, we're sissies talking about sissies. Yes. Sissies. But I also right. kind of like have like the ego of like a person on the internet who's been at it too long and has like a very micro niche following, literally assuming that my reputation precedes me. <laughs> I'm like, they know right. why I have to do this. <laughs> no, totally. No, it occurred to me while I was brushing my teeth today, like no one knows. Like I'm sure people just saw us pop up on the feed and was like, what? And again, thank you to Polyester for giving us this platform. We've had a great relationship with them that has since like last year, two years ago. I don't know. And um, so that evolving relationship is also why we're here. And we love you, Polyester. We treasure Polyester. No, the internet is so fractured and fragmentary. Like someone scrolling and being like, who are these random bitches talking about the Kardashians in this way? Like, there's an inherent logic to that that everyone accepts. Like, yeah, <laughs> where are these girls that are doing this now? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, at a certain point, there is no introduction needed. Like, it exists now, and here we are. <laughs> but I figured, like, in my journey of, like, being on the internet, I realized that the UX of it all is so important. Use it, the, oh, like, yeah. user experience. So then I was thinking of, like, we really didn't set this up that well <laughs> oh, totally we just go right in right which you know is admirable also so there's no right or wrong answer <laughs> exactly so here we are so here we are we're on episode eight mj and i are tired it's the fourth of july uh here in america and uh we're not 
not much happened in this episode. I'm kind of bored by it, but like there's a few good nuggets. So we'll get into it. What do you think, MJ? Yeah, the first thing to say, I think, on our little list is this was structurally one of those episodes that has a little bit of everything. There's like a lot of like micro stories instead of like a larger like narrative driving through. So like we've had a lot of episodes that really were running on the Kim and Courtney conflict. And that's a big story. That's like the spine of the whole season. But this episode, it's just like a lot of little mini things. Like um, what did we want to make sure we acknowledged? There's a scene that begins with Scott and Chris talking. I don't even remember what they're talking about. Oh, they're talking about Mason's upcoming bar bar mitzvah. And he's wearing his Jewish star necklaces. They're talking about Mason's Jewishness and there's even a little like wink sort of from Scott of like, it's important that I rep for being Jewish at right now. And they're obviously referring to Kanye's anti-Semitic statements. Um, the last few episodes have kind of taken a turn towards recognizing that and doing like a sort of damage control to the family's proximity to Kanye after going so nuclear. Yes. And I actually wonder, cause we've seen Scott a lot this season and I wonder this is where I get confused by all the timeline of everything. It's like, did this really happen? The Kanye stuff? Did that really happen like in the middle of them shooting? And then that's when they kind of did damage control or was like the presence of Scott from the beginning this season, like a slow drip of damage control culminating to him after the episode that they finally address it being like, yeah, I'm Jewish. What's up? Some of it's knowable. This is where we need Mariah Smith, the author of Keeping Up with the Continuity Errors. It was a column that ran. I don't remember the years that it ran, but it was a. it's a staple in Kardashian scholarship. And Mariah was really good at like tracking the sequence of these Kardashian narratives and when they were, when something was really filmed versus when the show says that it happened. And it was announced that Scott was joining the cast again for this season at some point. Because I remember getting comments being like, did you see the news? It's official. Scott's joining the cast. And I don't remember if this is before or after. We can like look at the dates of Kanye's rants. But mm. that that is knowable. I don't do so much timeline like analysis of the family. But I can look into that. It's very interesting. I didn't know that they like announced cast like that. That's interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always just assumed like in my experience watching it, since my experience watching it is like popping in and out kind of with you, depending on like when I'm collaborating with you or not. And so I just assumed that people popped in and out of the show, but I guess it's like more official than that. Well, it's kind of what fascinated you was the comment that someone made in the scene that's kind of like a, this will confuse people, but like, like a sister scene or a conjoined scene to the scene we're going to be breaking down from Casa Vega later, where Scott, Kim, and Chloe are processing fan feedback the, in the first time this mm-hmm. season, um, which they do again in this episode. And someone talks about how if someone isn't cast, then they can't. You can't make them want to be on the cast. And right. We're fascinated by that, and it's to that point that there is a state of being it's not the Kardashian simulacrum does have dimensions and boundaries and what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, like there's a territory you enter when you go into Mm -hmm. the simulacrum. 
And that when you enter it and like with a certain kind of consciousness and with a paycheck, then you're cast. And so there right. is a hat you put on. There's a lot of metaphors, but you know what I mean? For sure. And yeah. And it's like literally and figuratively a contract. It's not like maybe in the Osbournes when like, I think a lot about this girl, Kelly Osborne had a best friend, oh, forgot her name. She had a lip ring and clearly Sharon did not approve of this best friend, but she played a pretty big role. She was like kind of cast because like yeah. she was around, she was a regular re- recurring character, but I don't think she was getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> I think she got paid like probably pennies in the larger context of the money that was flowing through that enterprise when she was going to be Kelly's background drummer when Kelly was doing music. And then she got fired from the job too. I remember anyway, whatever the point is, probably it's not because it's a more curated reality show and it's more like a a true commercial for their products. Mm -hmm. There is some fleshing out of like who's getting paid for what when they show up. For sure. Those are always, those will always be negotiations that will fascinate me. Um, Also shout out to uh, Mariah with keeping up with the continuity errors. I noticed one in this episode when they're doing the singing lessons. I noticed that Courtney had makeup on that she had had in a scene like three episodes ago when she's talking to Chloe and Simon about like anticipating talking to Kim. Like, will I, won't I, here's the deal. Like it was still like framed as deep in the conflict. And now this is being shot. This one around the table or around the piano was being shot as if it was after the conflict. So that was just interesting. No, very interesting. The only reason I don't engage more in the continuity errors is A, because it's been done. B, I don't trust my brain. Like you have to have a certain sensibility around. It's like a very mathematical brain to be able to do that. And like, it actually could really unseam the entire project. It's an amazing skill to have. Oh yeah. No, but like I, you and I would both start crying if we actually tried to like take that on. The other thing that interested me and in the starting off scene with Chris and Scott hanging out is Chris keeps um, bragging to Scott. I'm 40. The doctor said that I'm 40 from her cat scan that we saw in the last episode Um, or cat scan, whatever full body scan. And Scott is giving her a reality check. He's like, how much did you pay them to say that? Ha ha ha. But I just want to acknowledge, because I think I forgot to acknowledge in the last, our last episode of this podcast that this, I really, I don't, it's too top of mind to like define what's happening there the way I want to. Mm. But there's something about the Kardashians using technology to penetrate beyond what's skin deep or a few levels deep in their own bodies Mm -hmm. to surface the truth of their physical essence or their physical status. So Kim did some kind of weird body scam or some sort of measurement of her body like last year Mm -hmm. into her story, like this like chart of her body. Like it was very anatomical. It was like an anatomy textbook, like image of Kim's body. Mm. And then saying I it's I don't know if it was her BMI or mass muscle mass muscle mass I have the Mm. muscle mass of an Olympian Mm. and so this very like metric driven 
technical view of the body it's really mm-hmm. objectifying and it's self-objectification and it's this idea it's, it's a very medicalizing view too where it's like the doctor evaluated this like age is a construct it's very postmodern too these things are constructs what's really true is like the organic what's been evaluated of my organic matter right it's like their greatness is being measured on the granular level and on in every single aspect. Like later on, we're going to talk about in one of the takeaways, like you noticed that there is um, a focus on like Travis's craft and mm-hmm. how different his industry is and how great he is at it. And um, part of that is this Kanye formula of like aligning themselves with greatness. Kim did that with Kanye Um, they're doing that with Travis and it's like, we are great. And so it's everyone around us. And so is like (laughs) the inside of our bodies. And so is the environments we step into, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's like an assertion of like grandiosity, but I, I'm just very fascinated too by the idea of like, the computers know the truth. The doctors know the truth. The 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 cat scan machine knows the truth. Right. Um, it's by force of will that I've shaped myself to be so Olympian, maybe. But but the proof is in not the pudding, but like the algorithm. Right. No, it's an alignment with greatness and with technology. Should we jump to the cyborg then? Actually. Yes, let's 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 jump to the cyborg. How about it, sissy? Our first real takeaway is what we've entitled Return of the Tuning. Basically, auto-tuning as a motif in this episode. Mm-hmm. Care to elaborate? Yeah, so the family gets together at Travis's recording studio to record yet more Christmas jingles because last year Chris Jenner released a single singing jingle bells. We saw her film it record it on the show as well and it's campy they're making fun of themselves they're being really silly but then what do you know the song jumped to number one on spotify they made it like a joke they made it like a joke on all of us like chris jenner released a christmas song but i think they were doing exactly this they were going to see if it charted and if it did then they would do more and maybe make a kardashian christmas album which is what i think this is building towards and the idea is is really self-deprecating like we're bad at singing But I think the hope is that because they've also aligned their brand with the literal Christmas so much, Mm -hmm. so aggressively through the years. I mean, they were talking about loving Christmas. There's a chapter about Christmas in 2010's Kardashian Confidential, which is like basically a brand brochure about the family that was released as a memoir of the Mm -hmm. girls. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the idea is you're going to hate by it. You're going to treat it like a ironic holiday tradition to play. I think mm-hmm. that's what they want for all for all of us. Um, it's interesting if we're the point of all this work that we're doing is to look at how these media phenomena and enterprises impact us or like what the strategies really are. Just even that, that they put a little little thing out mm-hmm. and then see how it does before expanding and then dropping like a real concept. They you I know? mean that's why they recycle narratives. It's mm-hmm. like the first one is like a proof of concept and then the second one um, can just be something they know will work and will sell. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a recycled, this is like a two time recycled narrative. It's like the, the Chris thing last year. And then like 
in Keeping Up, there was some storyline with like recording a song. And I also think it's interesting how they've always aligned themselves with different industries and then had made like kooky storylines around it because then if it works, they'll go into it and they'll do the typical Kardashian kind of like hero's journey narrative around it. Like we're so bad at it. And then dominating that industry. Yes. It's their entrance into it. And they kind of start with humor until it becomes serious. And the fact alone of an end game of an, of a product that they then have to fill in with action and like, like this starts, it doesn't start at the studio. It starts with the girls getting together in spite of Kim and Courtney's tension to learn how to sing. They have a vocal coach come and teach them how to sing as a group. Um, and the joke is that, and this is why we titled this section about autotune. Chloe keeps joking that she wants autotune being applied to her voice. Kim goes off on her own and calls Babyface and asks him to help her make the song the best, better than everyone's. Really oh, so that's what that was. Because yeah. I was like, oh, I thought there was going to be some, like, Kim secretly goes into the studio and da-da-da. So basically all it is is that, like, Babyface agrees to, like, engineer hers better. Yeah, which is, like, kind of, like, at odds with, like, Travis sharing his studio and, like, producing the songs. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yes, and it's at odds with, um, it's at odds with, like, <laughs> them trying to, like, reshape Kim after this conflict. It's, like, then her going around right um, their backs and, like, making her product better. I think this is an unfinished, either it's an unfinished storyline and more is to come with this, or this is a weak storyline in that sense, with the bringing in of Babyface. Either either it's going to be, like, Courtney's pissed because Kim went around everyone's back, or it's kind of just random rogue, like, Babyface is in the mix advising things. So Kim enlists Babyface's help of making her song the best. Uh, Chloe wants autotune. And they're all learning. So it's a kooky scene of them being bad at singing. It's actually a very classic Kardashian formula. The Kardashians mm-hmm. are making themselves really vulnerable. It's vulnerable to like suck at singing on camera. But right. they're going to do what they got to do to entertain us and to move a storyline forward to explain being in a recording studio, to explain the product that they're putting out around Christmas time of a Kardashian album. You know, yeah. let me explain to you why I'm kind of focused on they're learning how to sing and then they're in the studio and it's all of this to make a storyline and then also a product pseudo events daniel j borston mm-hmm. who's a theorist in the 60s he was inspired to write this book called the image in response to the first presidential nationally broadcasted presidential debate between jfk and richard nixon and his point about about calling certain things that happen in media pseudo events is because as the medium of news and media in general expanded that's picture like more open space you need to fill that space you need to fill the front pages of papers you need to fill the cable news channels like there's a there's a content drought the mm-hmm. bigger it all gets the wider it all goes to audiences mm-hmm. so pseudo events are things that are kind of judged up to give people things to click through on the tv you know mm-hmm. and it's almost so obvious and simple that it's like i can see how it might fall flat until it really clicks that like 
Mm. This is all fluff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what people are angry about when they have anger towards the Kardashians um, intuitively, but it's good for us to pause, break down, notice like, okay, what is this? But mm-hmm. the thing is, it's not just the Kardashians. They are an exemplar of a larger phenomenon because all, most of pop culture, if not all of it, is what we just saw functionally happen with we're going to learn how to sing for content for our show and then we're going to go to the studio and like auto-tune the fuck out of our voices to make a product for you to hear mm-hmm. you hate listen or you love listen or whatever your relationship to it is it's in your life now mm-hmm. and it's all to reach a preordained end game of a product mm-hmm. it, it it's just content that fills in to that end game And at this point, it's needless content, yet there is a demand for it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Right. Right. And... Auto-tuning in general is just like an interesting and very Kardashian concept because like they do it with their, with images of their faces and bodies. They do it with their actual faces and bodies. Yes. They're doing it with their voices here. It's also, it's very Kardashian too, because it's like, you may not be good at something, but you, you can, anything that you can do to get there. And be good at it is fair game and valid and reward like reward worthy. Yes, that's that is what we saw in the recording studio scenes. Chloe is making this joke about wanting to be auto-tuned. She doesn't want to sing without it. So then they auto-tune various things that she says through the episode as a joke. I think they should have, instead of it being like a mono like a um, montage of Chloe in auto-tune, they should have like auto-tuned her at random or something that might have been a little funnier. I think so too. But um, there's so much comedic potential with auto tune and it fell flat, but it did. Yeah. The function of auto tune is essentially like another example of Kardashian cyborg behavior. It's right. um, Merging whatever's real about them with 
it's layering technology and what it can do on top of what they can really bring to the table. And they do it in every aspect of their project. So that actually transitions us perfectly into our second point, which we've called subtweets at Casa Vega, because um, it's Kim, Scott, and Chloe at Casa Vega, which I've been to. It's fabulous. Um, mm. And um, I did not know it was like Kardashian level famous, but I guess it is now good for them. <laughs> I bet they're welcoming partnerships with more accessible everyday locales actually at times. Right. And they're going to choose historic LA spots to do it for, but for I'm sure. sure that they, the same way they wanted to drop into in and out, you know, I think that they also want to be sitting in places that people can go to. For sure. And don't get me wrong. Casa Vega is like a historic LA thing. And I think it is like, but it's not fancy. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So they're talking and they're like, they're like talking shit about people thinking that Kim CGI'd her tear and that like Chloe has fake fingers. And it's just ironic because they're like so pissed about it. But it is like, what do you expect? Because that is what you do to like in every single other aspect of your lives and your products. Like that's what you sell. Right. In the last scene where we saw them kind of processing this and it was the same group of people. It was the same Scott, Kim and Chloe together. Mm -hmm. Like it's so crazy. People think this of us. So the first time they did it was in the beginning of the season. If you guys remember, because we talked about it in our podcast about a review of their show. So it was with press. It was with Variety Magazine, though they didn't call out Variety Magazine by name. Now it's they've moved to TikTok. And so they're venting about TikToks that were very viral. I remember when the CGI one went around, a lot of people were tagging me in it. And it was kind of like, yeah, they might have. I don't really know what to say. I, it's interesting when people tag me in things like speak to this. And it's like, I don't really know what to add to it. Like, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so a new text to add to the database of, you know. Yeah things as examples of the Kardashians building a hyper reality. But um, they also talk about a theory about Chloe's fingers, which I didn't know about. This makes it interesting. And I meant to look this up before our conversation, because literally on TikTok, you will get in trouble if you don't say people by name, but there's someone on TikTok that predicted a Chris party. So it doesn't feel like a coincidence that there was a Chris Jenner party. If they're paying enough attention to TikTok to be venting about TikTok, you know, right. Um, for sure. And they seem genuinely disturbed by the more bizarre fan theories. And on one hand, the super granular, immersive consumption of Kardashian content is, we're at a new level of it. And it is kind of weird. Like, it doesn't always have the art of, again, keeping up with the continuity errors that felt very, like, intentional. And, like, Mariah knew her thesis. Mm-hmm. So that drove kind of how she read the show and not to toot my own horn, but I think myself as well. Like, right. You kind of feel grounded in like the, the big picture of you, the family and what you're trying to uncover. Right. I don't know how these one-off TikToks might feel like invasive or like, okay, so, okay, so what's the point? Right. Totally. But I think it is fans trying to empower themselves and just pick out what they notice when it gets to conspiratorial, then it is weird. And sometimes like it can become like a bizarre TikTok logic. Like we heard from Kim when, or when Ariel, the makeup artist was saying to Kim, the world's spinning faster. So everyone's looking younger. Like it can right. verge on that, but I don't know what my point is. Fuck. No, I know what your point is. There's just like a hard balance between like what they want you to do. Yes. Um, as 
as far as consuming them and then where it ends for them. And I don't know if they actually, it, as we're having this conversation, I'm realizing like, I don't know. I think it does bother them. They do get bothered by haters, but like at a certain point, I'm not sure if stuff like that actually bothers them. Like, again, that was a planned conversation and it's no coincidence to me that it came before like all the song auto tuning stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I think it's like a check and balance um, to how they're perceived. It's like, well, cause to your point, and this is how I feel sometimes when I see, because when they were saying like CGI tear, that's crazy. But then it's like, well, they did Photoshop, like swap out the kids faces in that Disney scandal they had. But I felt strongly that with this Disney scandal, they benefited from it. And so those little micro scandals of fake tear and Disney Photoshop fail, Photoshop fails always drive attention to them. And everyone has the same like outraged reaction and then it doesn't actually do anything to their public image. So to your point, these little micro cycles are good for them. Mm-hmm. And so I hear you. I, I It's because on one hand, like it's plain to see that it's good for them. On the other hand, think about like how, to this day, sometimes I'll get I'll get comments in my like little micro influencer world, and like you and I still are like, what the fuck? Shut no, the for fuck sure. Up. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like, I'm sure there's an element of reality in that. Like, I'm sure they're yeah. like that too. They're like, why? What? Yeah. And it's almost like, yeah, we do, we do play with reality in every single way, and this isn't one of them. Like, I would, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that that would be frustrating. It's always frustrating to be like mischaracterized, even if what you're characterized doing is like true most of the time. So, I mean, there's something human and real to that, but it is just like, I think they, it is like manipulative too. I think it's like, they have that conversation. They want you to be like, Oh, I guess they don't do stuff like that. And then the next scene is like them doing stuff like that (laughs) oh no a thousand percent it's almost like inescapable that any content we're presented is going to evoke is it real or is it staged because yet again it's like do they care or do they not care and we had this conversation before about do they really care or do they just benefit is it a net positive every time even when they're being fully critiqued or fully regarded with uh mistrust yeah and what's at the core of that question is like does shit like that matter when you have all the money and all the power in the world mm-hmm. and like what stays and I think that's a question people have and no one can answer because no one there are so few people who are also billionaires but mm-hmm. it's like what part of you stays the same and stays human when you have that much money that much power I'm really enjoying your billionaire discourse in the past few episodes Oh, thanks. It's like, I'm not even trying. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I think that's perfectly said. I couldn't add anything more. So let's move on to the final thing, which actually is another testament to narrative control. Yeah. Okay. So this third one, this third takeaway we've titled dreaming of Rob, and we're pretty proud of that. Mm -hmm. In an early scene in this episode, Chloe and Rob are on the phone. And I will say it does feel like they did listen to fans in a way because there are pranks. There's like a little prank where Kim tells everyone that she's going to be on the bachelorette. And then she like drops the act. Like as soon as Chris calls. What the hell was that all about? It's interesting. Well, think about it. They used to do antics and pranks and shenanigans 
in the early keeping up like actual pranks where they staged a real then who knows but now it's billionaire style so the scale is like i'm gonna be on bachelorette just kidding like like it's the, the, what the pranks they can do now are gonna be media pranks business pranks no i understand all of that of course the scale is gonna get bigger there the, the stakeholders of the pranks are gonna get bigger it's like the fucking executive of disney was in on it like <laughs> i get that but i don't get why that was just randomly popped into the last five minutes of the episode like that feels like they're also priming us for something i think maybe american horror story i put a lot of stock in that but i think it's i have a lot of stock as a commentator on kardashian content in sky partners and american horror story mm. Sky partners more than anything one day you know if you guys have questions about why i'm sure i'll be speaking to it in something i write or we can talk about it later but my partners is like the vc thing mm-hmm. venture capital firm yes and he's i've done some digging around like she's brought some like big players in the financial world into the game. And, and we're going to be feeling Kardashian influence, I think for generations to come because of that enterprise. But no, I think they, they stuffed a prank in there at the end because they promised pranks. The, the whole thing everyone was memeing before the season was that Kim tweeted saying, what do you guys want to see more of kids stuff, work stuff, pranks. And everyone was like, we don't want to see pranks. Like that was like the joke online, but they were going <laughs> to stuff a prank in. And I think it happened in this episode because this was sort of a hodgepodge episode of a lot of stuff. So they needed, okay. literally, they needed, oh my God, Medium is a message, Daniel Borston. Well, Medium is a message is Marshall McLuhan, but Daniel Borston fits hand in hand quite well with him. They needed Kim to say, I've got big news so that it could be an ending point before the commercial break. Right. I really think they know they need to have a few moments where it's an easy clip for the trailer and for the commercial breaks. And right. so like a non-starter and it ends up being a prank. Fine. But like how many high drama cliffhangers can they get out of a few scheduled Kim and Courtney processing conversations? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think they actually do same with, I noticed this with the season two with Kendall talking about having a baby, but it was actually her horse that was pregnant. Mm-hmm. that I, makes total sense they're smart with the use of those things even when they're totally stupid right yeah you know? right because they use that in like the up next scenes for yeah. last episode that was in it and then you're like shit what's kim gonna say yes okay okay we digress let's talk about dreaming of rob okay so <laughs> rob and chloe are on the phone this is why i was went on that whole digression because Fans are genuinely curious about Rob. Everyone's in my comments saying, where's Rob? What's your take on Rob? And they're protecting Rob, I think. I think that Rob is probably emotionally vulnerable and they, he's a liability and to himself and to the brand, probably, is my guess. Yeah. And and family matriarchal families are like this about like the soul brother and the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Um, so... It's just they're setting up closeness between Rob and Chloe, which was always true when we did see Rob in early seasons. But there's also something they keep saying. They keep saying Chloe's really involved in Dream's life. Chloe's kind of the third parent. And so it the episode kind of ends with Dream's birthday party. That's what Chloe's been planning. And Scott and Chloe end up processing this in a, like, opulent Kardashian playhouse. <laughs> 
yes. in the backyard. It's like a little mini kid's mansion. And Scott's like, wow, like you're so generous. You take such good care of Dream. You're like her mom. So there is like a total like Black China subtweet happening. I think that there's going to be a lot of conversation about the cultural appropriation and the treatment of the Black people in the Kardashian brand and family because they are, I mean, they don't say, Scott kind of says, your dream's other mom, but Chloe does say, I'm the third parent. And so mm-hmm. there is kind of a like nudging Black China out of the way. Right. No, I mean, yeah, it's just like that typical uh, kind of shameless appropriation and disregard for blackness and the whole Kardashian sphere. Well, no, it's just, it's also interesting because it's like, they didn't have to talk about any of the black China stuff. They didn't have to like include anything related to Rob or dream or black China in the show. And they have, so they definitely want to get like messaging out there about it. But it's always in these like weird roundabout ways that um, are very subtweety and like acting like it's all above board. Well, no, here's the thing. Yes, they're saying everything very carefully when it comes to Black China and Dream. They, I don't think they even use her name. They say Dream's mother. They may, they remind us very clearly she sued the family, mm-hmm. and they didn't make a lot of content out of that lawsuit. Partly because I think cameras weren't allowed in the in the trial, but I think they were a little they were sweating it a bit during that trial. And what I have noticed, and I kind of wish I'd been tracking this, but for years there's been a really strong passive aggressive kind of warfare happening on behalf of Dream. So mm. like Chloe's been posting Dream and kind of situating herself as that third parent for years. And like you guys know, I don't like to get into the kids or really assessing the family dynamics, like actually, or the parenting dynamics for anyone in this brand. So who knows like what the choices are there or the motivators actually, like, I'm just not going to speculate about that. But what I can definitely say is that they have a long game in mind for how to really make it known dream is with us. I think it started on social media feeds and right. Like they didn't devote a lot to the conflict with black China. They spoke around it. And I think they're careful to not say her name to not inflame maybe another lawsuit or something. Mm-hmm. But time was spent in making Dream's birthday a little mini storyline in season three following this trial. And and I think they're upping the ante and like really documenting like Dreams with us. That's mm-hmm. my guess. That's interesting. Yeah, it's almost like the COD, they really like make sure to have all their ducks in a row and all mm-hmm. their bases covered. Cause like, this is shit that like I'm not involved in the world enough to have like visibility to, but like mm-hmm. they have covered, yeah, they cover all of it. They really are very, very, very careful. I think it was just important to like notice that because I think we're going to see more of it through time in the brand, actually. Um, NPC for the episode. Oh, yes. We have not talked about who it's going to be beforehand. So like, let's choose it right now. I have some options. I was thinking Paxi yet again, because we see her in the elevator. She is really getting some screen time here in these last few episodes. Or the piano teacher, the voice teacher, or the camera people who had to fit into that little tiny kid house. (laughs) in order to figure out how the fuck they were going to shoot in there. Like, I don't know who made that decision. And I feel like they have actually enough of like a 
collaborative relationship with the crew that it could be a conversation, but there's a version of that scene where I see Scott and Chloe just deciding to go there and the camera people just having to fucking figure it out. Or the camera people, I guess, could have been like, why don't you guys talk in here? But still, that was a hard day at work. (laughs) For me, I think it's them. It's the camera people. Always, but especially when they're having to figure out how to get the right shot in a children's playhouse, for sure. Because I was kind of like, during that shot, I was like, oh, this is novel. Yeah, that was, uh, I've been on sets a lot in my day, and that wouldn't have been easy so i salute you camera people your point though the piano teacher to slash vocal teacher she gets a shout out because she scolded kim at one point and it's always kind of funny when the npcs like push back at kim for sure they pipe up i think that also like when the npcs pipe up like the Kardashians will respect a craft mm-hmm so let that be a message to all you NPCs. Feel empowered. Yeah. To pipe up if you're ever if you're ever in the world. Well, that's the whole idea of like resistance to the machine. We're all NPCs yeah. in this machine and we all deserve to have a voice. And sometimes that begins with learning how to consume media actively rather than passively. But that doesn't necessarily mean obsessing over the granular details of the content because that further immerses you in the content and then they benefit from it. So it's a very hard balance to strike. <sighs> yes. And that's why we're doing a podcast on it right now. <laughs> I was waiting for you to like build on that. And on that note, we'll see you next week, folks. It's been great. Two more episodes, and then we're free, and we can sail away in the Truman Show world. Yep, and step out the the door. Hit the wall, and then step out. And then we say, if I don't see... Wait, wait, what does Truman say? Hang on, sorry, we have to do it. This is a stuff thing. What does Truman say? If I, in case I don't see a good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We should sign off with that. Oh, well, yeah, I'm glad we're figuring out the intro and the conclusion on the eighth episode. <laughs> but sure. Do you want to say it? All right. <laughs> in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Ah, yes. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>